You're listening to TMI with Christine, a show where we give you way too much information about meal planning and time management. Hi there, I'm Christine Pittman, and this is Time Management Insider, where we give you TMI about managing your time inside the house. Now, TMI can sometimes sound like a bad thing, like it's too much, and so I try to balance that on this show by having some fun. So we've got some really upbeat, fun music from Audio Snack. I love those guys. Actually, their alter ego, Blow Pop, which is like some of the same people, just released a new song called Friendly on Spotify. You've got to check it out. I'm obsessed with it. Anyhow, we've got some great music on here, and then I have conversations with guests, and we try to just keep it fun so that we're learning time management skills together, but in a lighthearted, fun way. And to help with that even more, I'm starting something new on this show. So starting now, we are going to be playing tips from listeners. So if you have a great time management tip that you would love to share on this show, you can do that by leaving me a voicemail. And so you just head over to this phone number that I'm going to give you. And in the voicemail message, you can say your name, can say where you're from if you want. You can give an Instagram handle or something like that if you want to. And then leave your tip like one to two minutes at the most and we'll fit them into the show and hear from each other. I'm really excited about that. So the number is 321-325-0607 and I can't wait to hear your tips. And so now I'm going to give you one of my tips when it comes to cooking. One of the things that we can do to speed up the cooking process is to chop things smaller. And I know for me, chopping is kind of like a habit routine and I tend to do it the same way all the time. But then you've heard me talk about these 15 minute soups that I do. They're homemade soups that are made from start to finish in 15 minutes. And that includes the prep time, which means the chopping. For those soups to be ready so quickly, you have to chop things small so that they cook in that liquid faster. And so I really did get in the habit when I was developing those soups to chop things in smaller pieces. And it definitely does. Like you think about like, stir fries or soups or stews or anything where there's a bunch of different things that need to cook, having them a little bit smaller is going to speed up your cooking time. So that is my tip for today. And I'm going to be back in a minute with more information about small changes we can make. And then I'm going to be talking with Katie Widrick about nutrition and how she fits that into her home and her family life. So stay tuned for that. Sister 
just telling you that you can chop food smaller and that that is a way to speed up some cooking. And we all like to speed up cooking if we can, right? And it made me think about how there are all kinds of small changes that we can be making to save time. And that's really, really great. And I've talked about a bunch of ideas for that on this show. But I think the important thing is that we need to find a way to make those changes more of a habit or system or routine if we want them to actually have any kind of lasting impact. And you can imagine that if you're making a whole bunch of small changes and are getting them into your habit or routine and you keep making little small changes here and there and make them part of your habit or routine, that that can actually have a huge impact on your life and on your time. The issue is trying to make those things into a habit. And I can tell you, so a couple of weeks ago in the show, I was saying that you can put things in multiple places in your house to save time. And the examples that I gave were my eyeglasses. I have multiple pairs of glasses and I put them in the few places that I'm most likely to use them. And then I'm not constantly wandering around the house looking for glasses. The other example that I gave was a lot of people keep toilet paper in the bathroom. So if you have multiple bathrooms, you'll have toilet, like extra rolls of toilet paper, maybe eight or 10 of them in each bathroom. Now it's that second one, the toilet paper one. I just fail at this. I fail at it all the time. My boyfriend puts toilet paper under the sink in the bathroom. That's where he stores it. And I think he grew up doing that. And I know it's there maybe, but I never know it's there when I need to go get more toilet paper. I always go all the way to the garage. And so that's made me start to try and think about how can I make myself remember to do the small change that I want to do, because it's only going to have an impact if I remember to do it. And I mean, in the case of the toilet paper, it could even be disastrous, right? Like we've had all these toilet paper shortages during the, the pandemic. And if I'm stashing it all over the house and then forgetting it's there, I could think that we don't have any toilet paper and, you know that'd be really bad. So how can we make these little changes and make them stick? So I think the most important thing is to find a way to remember to do them, whether that's like a post-it note that you're putting somewhere or like for the toilet paper, I've been thinking about maybe putting a few rolls on the counter in the bathroom. Like maybe if I'm seeing them there all the time and I get used to getting it from that counter, then I can even eventually move it down into the cupboard where I don't see it, but I'll have the habit of going to that place instead of to the garage. So it's things like that. It's like little ways to remember. Another one that I've been doing for a few months now is I started taking a multivitamin in the morning and some liver oil pills called fish oil. What am I talking about? Fish oil pills. And what would happen to me is I'd forget to take them a lot of days. And then some days I couldn't remember if I had already taken them or not. So I got one of those little pill holders, you know, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I have the pills in there. And then I am more likely to remember to take them because they're just on the counter with the days of the week. And I'm not gonna take them twice because they're, that's kind of built into that system, right? And then I just have that on the counter and I've been really, really good at that. And what I've been doing along with it is trying to have a glass of water when I first wake up every morning. And so that kind of all works together in the, okay, I need the water to take the pills. I'm gonna fill up a whole glass and then I'm gonna take it. So I'm like building that system and like reminder into it. So 
my point in this section of the show today is that we can make these small changes or hope to make these small changes, chopping food smaller, putting the toilet paper in the bathroom, taking a vitamin every morning with a glass of water, these things. And and they're wonderful changes to make, but we also have to find ways to remember to do it and make them into a habit. And, you know, once you've done something every day for a couple of weeks or you've, you know, gone to get the toilet paper from the cupboard under the sink instead of the garage, once you've done that, you know, five or 10 times, then it becomes automatic and then you don't think about it. And then you are saving time just by doing your normal routine. And then that's when you can start adding other little time saving tricks. See what I mean? You're listening to Christine talk about meal planning and time management, but do you know who she is? She's been helping households with her recipes and time management ideas for over a decade on CookTheStory.com and The Cookful. With over 2 million visitors per month on her websites and over 40 outstanding cookbooks, now she's talking to you directly on this podcast and accompanying newsletter. Go to CookTheStory.com newsletter and get her meal plans, recipes, and all her amazing ideas to help you and your family in the kitchen. Now back to the show. Today, it is my sincerest pleasure to talk with Katie Widrick. She is the VP of Sales and Growth at Faster Way to Fat Loss, and she's a busy mom of two, and she's got a wonderful Instagram profile. You've got to check it out. It's Kay Widrick, K-W-I-D-R-I-C-K. And she has a really interesting take on nutrition and exercise and fitness and also in how to incorporate that into her family life with her kids or to not incorporate it as the case may be. And I really want to talk with her about all of that. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. today. Christine, I'm so happy that I get to talk with you. So it's a good day. Oh, I'm so happy to talk to you too. So I want to start by asking who is in your household and who does most of the cooking? Oh my gosh. So I have two beautiful daughters, eight and five, which is a tricky age when it comes to food. I'm sure that will come up in our conversation. And then I live with my amazing husband who is the primary everything related to food. He does the grocery shopping. He does the cooking. He does the leftover planning. Everything related to how and what we eat is led by my husband. Wow. Maybe I should have had him on instead. <laughs> no, he, would just... he would agree. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, and so he's doing most of that. Do you have input? Like, are you saying, oh, I really feel like having something vegetarian tonight? Or like, are you, are you there or is he just doing it all? Sure. So our relationship, to give you some context, I'm an Enneagram one. I'm the type A. I'm typically the planner in our family. And he's a little bit more go with the flow. He is great in terms of a support role, but sort of understands that my personality likes to make decisions. The one area where I defer most of this is to him. 
Having said that, I follow a specific eating schedule, which we can talk about. I practice intermittent fasting. I also do practice something called carb cycling. So he's really helpful as we look at how that factors into our family meal planning and meals. I never want that to be disruptive, particularly to my kids. And so we do kind of talk about, you know, what I need and he can make adjustments. He definitely knows things that I don't like or that I've tried and would prefer not trying again. But I also do trust him to help experience in my palate. And my real goal, again, is to set a good example for my daughters who are at the age where they're deciding if they have a palate that will tolerate seafood and spices and all these new things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. So I want, you said you do intermittent fasting and you do carb cycling, but you're, you don't really want that affecting your daughters. Is that right? Right. So I work for, just to give some context to, I work for a company, we're a digital nutrition plus fitness company. And so a lot of what I do is a result of the work that I do. It has changed my life for the positive. I actually followed this program before I was on the team as a staff member. So this is a a lifestyle and kind of an approach to nutrition I had before it was essentially regulated, you know, or that I had to stand behind this. But intermittent fasting is just a practice of kind of changing your feeding window. So I typically will eat between noon and eight and I'll break my fast around noon each day. There is some flexibility, but for the most part, you know, I don't have a traditional kind of scheduled breakfast in the morning. And so I factor that in. And then again, two days a week, I do what's called carb cycling. So I shift just the the ratio of macros, the fats, proteins, and carbs that I eat. And when I say I don't want that affecting my daughters, I am very, very cognizant of diet culture. I was negatively impacted by diet culture in my childhood and in my life. And so the reason that I feel 100% comfortable with this is that it's not a diet. In fact, I eat way more calories than most people would expect because I work out a lot. And So I think of food specifically to kind of fuel my goals. And so what I don't want them to see is that I'm tracking these foods and, you know, looking at every bite. So I don't really do that in front of them other than just to talk about whole food nutrition. And I try to work with my husband to say, you know, hey, what's happening for dinner tonight so that I can essentially reverse engineer the other meals in my day. I very, very rarely, in fact, I can't think of a time recently when I've said, oh no, I can't have that. Don't make that make some change for me. It's more that he kind of future plans and says, hey, we're going to have chicken breast, brown rice and roasted broccoli tonight. And I say, great. Then I know what I need to do for lunch and other meals to, you know, make me feel really good in my body at the end of the day. That's really fascinating. So he's doing the the future meal planning for you and the whole family, and then you're figuring out how to fit the rest of your day in there. So is that something that you're doing like on a weekly basis? Like, does he like plan for the week and then you're figuring it out like at the same time? Or is it kind of on the day on the fly? Like, how does that work? It's a little bit both. And I would say for the most part, it's on a daily basis. So I'll wake up and I'll ask him, you know, what are your thoughts on dinner tonight? And and let's be clear, you know, I am, this is a strategy that works for me, but I am not counting every single cal. I, first of all, I don't worry about calories. It's more about that kind of macro balance that I mentioned. I'm not restricting myself. I'm eating the right foods. I'm eating until I feel full. And so, you know, I do want to just be clear for listeners. I don't get to a point at dinner where I'm like, I just, I can't have that food. You know, no. I'm going to eat it. I just feel better when I have looked ahead. So oftentimes it's over a cup of black coffee in the morning saying, Hey, what are your thoughts on dinner tonight? He'll tell me 
I will log that essentially in my nutrition app so Mm -hmm. that I know, Hey, that's going to be a a lower carb meal. So I'm going to go ham on some carbs at lunch or it's a pasta night. And so I really need to make sure that I'm heavily focused on protein earlier in the day. So that at the end, but again, you know, it's flexible. There are definitely times when I come home and he's like, Oh, we didn't have brown rice. So I am doing couscous instead. And so I adjust and I'm adaptable. I just like to get it there, you know, 80% or or 90% to my goals. And then I feel great about it. That's really interesting. I want to talk more about your daughters and what they're doing with all this. Cause I do find that it's something I don't think I was brought up super negatively in a diet culture kind of place, but I know that my kids are now with what's surrounding them and the sorts of things that they hear and say, and you're working in this industry. So I'm really interested how you balance that with them and teach them. I guess I I would like your philosophy on it, I guess, because I feel like on the one hand, you do want them to eat healthy, but then you don't want them doing this like crazy calorie counting. So you want to model it, but not. So if you could tell me more about that, I'd be really interested such a tricky thing. And, and honestly, one of the conversations that I am most passionate about, because, you know, I want to evolve and I want to be flexible. You know, I am not a perfect person. I have not made perfect choices, but I really am trying every single day to say, am I proud of the way that my daughters are thinking of me? And if they were telling a story about their mom and the way she eats, what would they say? So all of that, all of the mechanics and tactical things I just talked about with carb cycling and intermittent fasting, my daughters don't know I do that, you know, not because I'm hiding it or I'm ashamed, but it's just not something that where it's like every night before we eat, I'm no, we're eating the same meal. Literally nothing changes about our meal except for maybe, you know, a few dietary preferences with spices or a side. And I'll eat a lot more Brussels sprouts than my five-year-old will, (laughs) despite my efforts, but you know, we're eating the same meal. So they're not seeing anything different on my plate that they are seeing on theirs. We go out to restaurants frequently. I love treats. I mean, all of this is incorporated. They don't see me say no to anything. No food groups are off limits. No treats are off limits. So I think that's perhaps the most important thing is that I'm not eating any differently than them. I'm eating bites off of their plate. I'm licking their ice cream cone when they share it with me. None of that changes. And that's, I think, maybe the most critical piece of it. I do have two girls. So I'm also maybe even overcorrect, frankly, because I work in health and and wellness and fitness. And I want them to understand that food is a fuel, is a source of fuel for how they want to perform. So we talk a lot about having energy. They're both in school. How are we going to have energy so we can play with our friends in the afternoon after lunch? How are we going to build strong muscles so that when we are at soccer practice or dance practice, we can feel really good and we can improve. So all conversations are related to that. I do not weigh myself. I do not have a scale. They don't see anything like that. They also see me work out a lot, mm-hmm. not at long stretches. I don't work out for more than 30 to 45 minutes at a time. So it's not like mom has disappeared to the gym, but they see, and I'll come off a workout and say, you know, oh my gosh, I can't wait to eat this. Or before a workout, I'm going to eat this because I'm excited to jump on my Peloton and I'm going to do a great, you know, high energy ride. So hopefully that provides maybe some context. I never talk about weight in my house. Never, ever, ever ever like full stop period. I don't ever talk about weight. We don't talk about sizes. My kids, if they said a curse word, I would be less offended than if they said the word fat pejoratively. And they know that that is unacceptable in my house. So that's how I'm trying to model that good behavior. 
That's really, really fascinating. I really like that. And I think it's it's super important right now. Our kids are, I don't know about your kids. My kids do a lot of sort of social media, YouTube stuff on their own. And I think they're getting those messages all the time from everywhere else. And so modeling the healthy version of that and, and making it clear. I really like what you were saying about connecting food and energy. I feel like For me, that's something that I didn't have until I did Weight Watchers for the first time, which is really strange, but that you get more points. You're allowed to eat more if you exercise more. And I wanted to eat more. And so there was this definite like, oh, this is how much my body needs normally. This is how much more I need if I'm going to exercise. And that connection, I don't think it was there when I was a kid. And so that you're doing that now is really, really interesting. Are there other, so you talk about like playing, you talk about when you're going to exercise and connect that. Are there other places where you're trying to connect food for them, not just with flavor and enjoyment, but also like how their body needs it? Or like you said, like, is it protein? Is it vegetables? Like, how do you talk about those things? Yeah, I would say there's definitely more discussion about macronutrients and even some micronutrients in my house than a normal house. So I am not a registered dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist, but I have some more experience than most just because again, I work in fitness, I work in wellness and I'm highly interested in it. So my kids do know the concepts of protein, fat, and carbs. And I probably bore them at eight and five when I talk about what happens in your body when you eat protein. I mean, I literally have talked about glycogen stores with my kids. And I don't think they understand the words or the the concepts, but they do understand, you know, things like, Hey, if you are going to go have dance class in 30 minutes, you know, maybe a treat that has some carbs and a healthy fat, or, you know, like kind of building into your day, why you eat, when you eat, we talk about that in very, very broad terms. I never tell my kids no to, I wouldn't say like, Oh no, don't eat that protein bar, eat this apple. It's not conversations like that, but we do talk about good choices versus bad choices or different choices, even in their behavior. I mean, outside of food, my kids grew up in a Montessori environment. They're now in a different structured school, but there that Montessori mom comes out in me sometimes when I say, okay, I want to empower you to make the right choice. Let's talk about what would happen if you did this. Let's talk about what would happen if you do this. If your listeners are starting to hate me because they, I am the not a perfect mom in any way. I raise my voice. I, you know, scream at them about eating candy before dinner, like all of the normal things apply in my household too. But I do try in that context to educate them a little bit more. And if they say, I hear that, but I still want that bag of M&Ms, unless it's like really close to dinner, they've already had five bags or whatever, or they're acting crazy. I don't say no to that type of thing, but I want them to know like, you're going to eat this and it's going to feel really good in the 30 seconds you're eating it. And then you're going to need a nap. And I thought we were going to go bowling or I thought we were going to go to ballet. So we do definitely talk about it like that. Oh, I love that. So you're talking about macros a lot and you talk with them about it. I know a little bit, but I don't know very much. Can you give me like the 30 second crash course? 
Sure, sure. So when I talk about macros, it's macronutrients. And, and primarily we're talking about proteins, fats, and carbs. Obviously foods and meals are usually a mix of, of those. Specifically with fats, I try to focus on healthier fats. So avocado, uh, you know, olive oil. I really do try to stay away from processed foods unless it's a specific treat. I build in treats. I build in, you know, kind of that 20%. I love donuts. I love a taco bowl as much as the next person. So, you know, all of that applies, but, but protein, just really looking at protein sources and how I can incorporate them. Most women I'm, I'm overgeneralizing a little bit, but many, if not most women don't nearly get as much protein as they need, especially if they're trying to see improved performance in the gym, or if they're trying to get more energy through their workouts. And so knowing what the sources of protein are and how you can even sneak them in during the day is really helpful. So protein, fat, and carbs. And then of course, the long detailed RD version would go into complex versus simple. And what do carbs do? You know, there's no bad thing. That's, that's my approach to, you know, I would not be able to sustain a diet that said you can never have a carb, you know, this like keto, for example, and it, it's, fine for other people, but keto is not an approach that would work for me. I'm just not willing to cut an entire food group out of my life, Mm -hmm. but I am willing to balance them so that my plate, my snacks, my meals, and my overall day is that healthy ratio of protein, fats, and carbs. Okay. And, and the company you work for uses this sort of system. Can you talk a little bit about what they're doing and how you work with them with that? Sure. So I'm the vice president of sales for the faster way to fat loss. So I talk about this all day and hopefully your listeners are hearing the passion in my voice, because as I mentioned, I was a client. I followed the faster way program before I was ever on the payroll. And I started following these strategies after my second baby. It's very, very simple. Again, a focus on whole food nutrition. Does it come from the ground? Does it have a mother? Okay. That's whole food nutrition. Am I getting enough protein, fats, and carbs and in the right balance so that I can meet my goals. Our approach helps empower and educate people to all of those terms. So everything you were asking, how to track them, what they do, and then specifically how to pair the intermittent fasting and carb cycling that we talked about with effective workouts. I'm a fitness trainer. Our CEO is a personal trainer and group fitness instructor. Many of the people on our team are. So fitness, we're sort of biased toward fitness in in some of our efforts, but nothing you can do at the gym or on your bike, or even just every day is going to fix what you're not doing in nutrition. So we have to focus on the nutrition, 80% of it. Wow. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. If you don't have the nutrition, you don't have the fuel. If you don't have, if you're not paying attention to what you're eating, you can't possibly burn off all of that. That is really cool. So yeah, and if your goal is fat loss, just to put a pin in that, if your goal is fat loss, which it is for many women, even if you're not, again, I don't, I don't weigh myself. So if we're just talking about feeling really good in our bodies and performing well, fat loss is often the first step. And so the way that you eat determines what fuel source your body's going to burn first. I want my body to burn fuel when it has kind of, when it's ready to tap into my stores, I don't want it to burn other sources. So that's why that balance ensures that when it has tapped out, of its energy resources, it's got to go somewhere else. I'd rather it burn fat than sugar. Oh, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, Katie, can you tell my listeners where they can find you if they want to, if they have questions or if they want to continue this conversation online? Is there a good way to do that? 
Of course. I love Instagram. So on Instagram, my handle is K Widrick K and then my last name Widrick. And I am a very open book about this, Christine. This works for me. And so I talk about it, but I talk about all sorts of other strategies and I show my messy life. I show my kids not eating their Brussels sprouts. And I show my husband trying his hardest to get me to like fish. You know, all of that is kind of wrapped up into sometimes a messy life, but I hope that it does show how manageable strategies like this can be. And I think the more people do understand what the food that they eat is doing to power them, you know, it makes every meal for me more exciting and more interesting. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Katie. My pleasure. Isn't Katie wonderful? I really love her energy and I love her take on a lot of these issues in terms of fitness and nutrition and family and how that all fits together. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation. I'm going to move on to the meal plan for this week. So the idea here is I give you a five-day meal plan and I've sort of, you know, done a lot of the work and figured out how to minimize the number of ingredients you need to buy and find recipes that are easy to make and that'll fit into a routine. And so I'm going to tell you about those recipes now. And then you can get this meal plan and the links to all the recipes, as well as a printable grocery list to go with it all if you subscribe to my newsletter. So if you go to cookthestory.com slash newsletter, you will get that all delivered to your email inbox. And I hope it will help make your life a little bit easier. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay, so the meal plan this week starts with some balsamic chicken breasts. So these are chicken breasts, boneless, skinless, that are baked in a beautiful balsamic sauce and they're just delicious. And you're gonna have that with a Greek salad and a grain of some kind, either rice or farro or quinoa. And you're just gonna make twice as much of that because you're gonna need it later in the week. So you're making twice as much of the grain. Then on the second day, you're gonna have some buffalo shrimp enchiladas. Who doesn't like enchiladas? And these ones have buffalo sauce in them and a really nice like sauce, homemade sauce over the top that you just make in the blender. It's delicious. And you're gonna have that with a Mexican street corn salad. So it's like all the flavors of Mexican street corn, but done with frozen corn kernels as a little salad. It's really easy to put that together. And you're gonna make twice as much of the Mexican corn salad. And then on the third day, you're gonna have one of those 15 minute soups I was talking about with all the fine chopping going on. This one is a 15 minute mulligatawny soup, which is kind of like a British Indian thing. It's got curry powder and apples and chicken, and it's got some cooked rice. So you're gonna use whatever grain you made on the first day, and you're gonna stir the leftovers of that into your soup. Then on the fourth day, we're having some fun oven baked wings. So good, you guys, this is one of my favorite favorite recipes from both of my websites. It's on the cookful actually, and they're oven baked and they they take a little while to cook. It's kind of like they're in the oven for about an hour, but it's very hands off once you get them in there, which takes like five minutes and then they go in the oven and they're just in there. And you're gonna have that with a leftover Mexican street corn salad. So you don't have to do anything for that. Easy, easy dinner that night. And then we're gonna wrap up the week with a sheet pan salmon dinner, like fish on Fridays, you know? And this is chunks of beautiful fresh salmon with like bread and tomatoes and basil, kind of like a baked panzanella or bread salad going on all in the oven, all in one pan. That is our meal plan for the week. 
and that's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Katie for being such an amazing guest. Thank you to Caroline Hull and our team at Wild Home Podcasting for putting this episode together. And as always, thank you to the wonderful, talented Audio Snack. And don't forget to go check out their new song, Friendly, on Spotify. You're going to love it. I promise. Have a great week. 